0: Section six of lasers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wayne Cook. Lasers by Hal Helman. Controlled emission. The laser and its parent, the maser. Can be traced back half a century to its theoretical beginnings. The great physicist Albert Einstein is most widely known for his work in relativity, but he did early and important work on that other gigantic 20th century scientific achievement, the quantum theory. Footnote Einstein was awarded the Nobel Prize in 1921 for his 1905 explanation of photoelectric effect in terms of quanta of energy and not for his relativity theory. End footnote. In one of his papers, published first in Zurich, Switzerland, in 1916, Einstein showed that controlled emission of light energy could be obtained from an atom under certain conditions. When an atom or molecule has somehow had its energy level raised, the release of this stored energy could be stimulated by subjecting the atom or molecule to a small shot of electromagnetic radiation of the proper frequency. Einstein wrote that when such a photon of energy caused an electron to drop from a higher to a lower orbit, the electron would emit another photon of the same frequency and in the same direction as the one that hit it. Footnote. Einstein's theoretical explanation applies in the case of stimulation of a single atom. In practical stimulation, directionality is enhanced by stimulating many atoms in phase. And footnote. In other words, the energy of the emitted photon would be added to that of the photon that stimulated the emission in the first place. Here, potentially, was light amplification. There, the matter lay for more than 30 years. In 1951, Charles H. Towns, then on the Columbia University faculty, was interested in ways of extending to still higher frequencies the range of microwaves available for use in communications and in other scientific applications. Towns and other scientists who were interested in the problem were to meet in Washington, D.C. on the 26th of April. The night before the meeting he slept in a small Washington hotel, but he awoke at 5.30, pondering pondering the high-frequency problem. He dressed and took a walk, then sat on a park bench and savored the beauty of azaleas in bloom. But all the while his mind was running over the various aspects of the problem. Suddenly the answer came to him. Normally, more of the molecules in any substance are in low-energy states than in high ones, He would change the natural balance and create a situation with an abnormally large number of high-energy molecules. Then he would stimulate them to emit their energy by nudging them with microwaves. Here was amplification. He could even take some of the emitted radiation and feed it back into the device to stimulate additional molecules, thereby creating an oscillator. This feedback arrangement, he knew, could be carried out in a cavity which would resonate, just like an organ pipe, at the proper frequency. The resonator would be a box whose dimensions were comparable to the wavelength of the radiation, that is, a few centimeters on a side. On the back of an envelope, he figured out some of the basic requirements. Three years and many experiments later, the Maser... Microwave amplification by stimulated emission of radiation was a reality. The original Maser was a small metal box into which excited ammonia molecules were added. When microwaves were beamed into the excited ammonia, the box emitted a pure, strong beam of high-frequency microwaves far more temporally coherent than any that had ever been achieved before. The output of an ammonia maser is stable to one part in one hundred billion, making it an extremely accurate atomic clock. Footnote: An atomic clock is a device that uses the extremely fast vibrations of molecules or atomic nuclei to measure time. These vibrations remain constant over time. Consequently, short intervals can be measured with much higher precision than by mechanical or electrical clocks. End footnote. Moreover, the amplifying properties of masers have been found to be very useful for magnifying faint radio signals from space and for satellite communications. Ammonia gas was chosen for the first maser, because molecules of ammonia have two individual energy states that are separated by a gap corresponding in frequency to 23,870 megacycles, 23,870 million cycles per second. Ammonia molecules also react to a non-uniform electrical field in ways that depend on their energy level. Low-level molecules can be attracted and high-level ones repelled by the same field. Thus it is possible to separate the low-energy molecules from the high and to get the excited molecules into the cavity without too much trouble. This procedure for getting the majority of atoms or molecules in a container into a higher-energy state is called population inversion and is basic to the operation of both masers and lasers. It should be noted that two Russians, N. G. Bozov and A. M. Prokhorov, were working along similar lines independently of Towns. In 1952, they presented a paper at an all-union, USSR, conference, in which they discussed the possibility of constructing a molecular generator, that is, a maser. Their proposal, first published in 1954, was in many respects similar to Towns's. In 1955, Bozov and Prokhorov discussed, in a short note, a new way to obtain the active atomic systems from a maser, a method that turned out to be of great importance. Thus, on October 29, 1964, the Nobel Prize in Physics was awarded not only to Townes, but to Bozov and Prokhorov as well. The award was for fundamental work in the field of quantum electronics— which has led to the construction of oscillators and amplifiers based on the Aeser principle. End of Section 6